Welcome and thanks for tuning in to the Oklahoma Young Agents Show, where it is our aim to engage, educate, and expand the horizons for young, independent agents in Oklahoma by presenting quick interviews of leaders in our space. Hey, everybody. Thanks for tuning in to the Oklahoma Young Agents Show. We've got a great one for you today. I'm certain you'll pick up some golden advice that our guest is going to toss out. I'm Ryan Smith, the chair of the Young Agent Committee and co-owner of Smith & Sons Insurance Agency. Today, my co-host is the vice president of marketing at Rock Lake Insurance Group, an invaluable member of the Young Agents Committee, a traveler, golfer, father, and cornhole extraordinaire. My friend and yours, please welcome Mr. Wes Becknell. Wes, how are you doing today? Doing great, Ryan. It's great to be here. And it's also uh, nice to be mentioned as a cornhole extraordinaire. Oh, yeah. Oh, yeah. It's good Around stuff. the state. Around the globe, you're known. <laughs> Uh, So this is the second episode of the Oklahoma Young Agents Show, where it's our aim to engage, educate, and expand the horizons for young independent agents in Oklahoma by bringing you conversations around insurance with industry leaders and discussions on sales, service, leadership, plus best practices and advice from legendary agents like we have here today. Coming to us from Tampa, Florida, our guest is the agency owner and principal of Florida Risk Partners, the founder of Killing Commercial Insurance Sales Training, host of the Power Producers podcast and author of two powerful insurance books, The Extra Two Minutes, and most recently, The Dirty 130. He is a baseball wizard, a pro wrestling junkie, the insurance industry's Key West ambassador, a husband and father to four, and an inspiration to us all. Give a big virtual standing ovation for Mr. David Carruthers. Man, I'd clap for that guy. Holy cow. Thank you for the uh, wonderful introduction. We're glad you're here with us. It's always great to see you. It's great to meet you face-to-face a couple months ago. And so, David, let's get right into it. Kind of a multifaceted question here. What was the driving force behind Florida Risk Partners? Did you work at another agency prior and think you could do it better? Or did you have an entrepreneurial spirit from the start? Wow, man. Like, did you do research? Because (laughs) because the answer is all of the above. Um, I started my insurance career with what is now a massive business. Uh, agency. It's Baldwin Risk Partners, but was Baldwin, Kristen and Sherman's the agency arm of that. We were Baldwin Insurance Group when I started. And and I was there for a couple of years while I cut my teeth in the middle market, did fairly well in production with them. And we went through a time period where we had taken on a partner, made a couple acquisitions, cultures weren't jiving. So there was a split there. And I left and started another agency with two partners that we devoted the majority of our time to writing master workers comp policies for PEO and temp staffing organizations. One of those partners was my father. And we'll just say that the multi-generational agency thing did not go very well for us. So I'm the type that is very entrepreneurial. And if I don't get that itch scratched, then I'm going to find a place to scratch it. I always thought I had better ideas, and it's kind of one of those things where it's like, if you think you have better ideas, go do them. So guess what? We did. And guess what else? They worked. So it actually worked out pretty well for all involved. My, you know, my dad still has his agency. Probably, I imagine the same people that were there when I left. We really don't talk shop very much when we're together. It's a subject that doesn't need to be broached at the Thanksgiving dinner table. I'll leave it at that. But, um, you know, we launched Florida Risk at a time where 
I really wasn't sure what I was going to do, man. I just had this conversation with somebody earlier today. I was leaving the insurance industry completely. I, I was burnt out of it. I was, I was tired of being rejected with ideas and trying to push things into, you know, the next uh, decade or century for that matter. And I just figured I could take my talents and do other things. I've got degrees in management and marketing, and I had uh, several job offers to be a VP of marketing for other corporations. And I, you know, my wife's the one who told me that I needed to open the agency. And I actually, I literally told this story not even two hours ago. We're sitting in the, uh, what's supposed to be the dining room in our home, but it was converted into a home office because she works from home as well. And she knew I was getting ready to accept one of the, one of the offers. And she said to me, what are you doing? In, in all seriousness, what are and she's from Jersey, so it may not have been exactly the wording, but she said, what are, what are you doing? You know, why, why are you leaving this industry that you're so good at? She said, you have done so well for somebody who came in and never had any experience, and now you're willing to abandon it? Why don't you just go open up your own agency? I've been listening to you complain for eight years that you would do it different, and if you did, it would work. Just go do it. And guess what? I did. After after meeting your wife, I have a hard time believing you would tell her no. <laughs> no, I would never tell her no. I'd get beat. But, you know, at the end of the day, it was it was essentially the male ego that was causing me to leave the industry, right? I wanted to stay in insurance, but I didn't want to take the risk. I didn't want to put my wife and my kids at risk wondering how we were going to, you know, get groceries or whatever else. Now, my wife does have a very good job, so I need to be very clear that it was not a difficult decision once I had her blessing. And I knew, I really shouldn't have freaked to begin with. But, you know, the other thing is, is men, we want to be the provider, right? I mean, I don't, I'm not trying to be politically incorrect, but that's how we're wired. That's how men have always been wired. It, it, it's a biological thing. And so we want to be the providers for our families when we when we go to work. And that was an ego shot to me. And I knew that if I went and took one of these other jobs, that that wouldn't be an issue. And the other thing is, I just, I wanted a comfort level. And when she told me I had her blessing and she was cool with it and she would do whatever she needed to do, I literally had everything filed in the agency legitimate in 30 minutes from that point. I had no intentions of running, of opening it. And we went from nothing to licensed agency uh, registered with an FEIN and all of that in like 30 minutes. So that's a long way for me to tell you how we got here, but it's been a whirlwind ever since. So to follow up to that, where do you see the agency in the next you know, five to 10 years? I know you have a son. I've seen you post that you have a son that's uh, in the agency or travels with you a little bit. Do you think more kids will be involved? Well, it's funny because that's already starting to happen. Grayson came to me a couple of years ago when he was getting out of high school and said, dad, I think I want to come work with you at the agency. And I said, that's a terrible idea. I don't think you need to come work at the agency until you're ready to work at the agency until you learn how to deal with the public. He hadn't even had a regular job anywhere yet. Right. So I, I, I'm a big believer that you need to work in, in retail restaurants or grocery before you go work in the real world, because you learn to deal with people at their absolute worst in those industries. So I wanted him to spend a couple of years doing that, not necessarily because that's what I did before. Before I got into the insurance industry, but I wanted him to learn how to be on a team. I wanted him to be responsible and accountable to a schedule and to authority and see how he did with that. He did very, very well. He worked in the grocery stores for a couple of years and got promoted like five or six times, got several raises. And basically, I mean, it's scary, man, because he followed what I did when I started in the grocery industry. January 1st of this year, he comes to me and says, I want to come work with you. I said, 
I promised you two years. It's been two years. Go ahead and turn in your notice. You can come in and your job is going to be to start working on marketing and social distribution of our content. And I want you to learn that because that's a skill that you can take anywhere else, whether it's at the agency or not. So he came in and we were here for a couple of months and he started complaining already. Dad, I, you know, I don't want to do this. I want to get my license. I want to make the real money. And I said, son, trust the process. I know how to do this. Did it myself. I'm setting you up for success. Just keep doing what you're doing. You're going to be here for a year before I even consider moving you into another role. And so that quieted him down. A couple months later, we were at the Better Agency Conference out in Phoenix, and he was at the registration table in front of me. And I don't remember who it was that was registering, but it was somebody that I knew and they knew he was my son. And so they're asking him questions. Hey, man, what's it like? How's everything going? And he said, oh, man, it's unbelievable. My dad's got me editing these podcasts. I literally get to listen to the smartest people in the insurance industry talk about how they sell, what they do, what the problems are that they have, and all of this stuff. He goes, when I get my license, I'm going to know how to talk to people and not be afraid to walk into buildings and ask for meetings and things. And I tapped him on the shoulder and I said, I watched Karate Kid when I was younger, son. I'm a modern day Mr. Miyagi. I knew exactly what I was doing when I brought you in here. So wax on and wax off. <laughs> now, all that to say that we had a, a change in staff here in the agency recently. And I actually told him that I'm going to give him the opportunity to sit for his license sooner than what we thought. So he's in the process of training his little brother to take his place. And he's going to uh, end up having a license here by the end of the year, I would imagine. And he'll have a desk in the agency. So That's amazing. David, I wonder if you could share some of your advice for some young agents that are listening that maybe they're already planning on their career future. Maybe they definitely want to be an agency owner, or perhaps they're on the fence about it, or maybe they've never given any thought at all. Could you uh, speak to that a little bit? What would those people need to be paying attention to with their agency principals, with the marketing reps, the whole, the whole process? I'm probably not the best person to ask that advice to because I'm the guy that picked up my toys and left. But at the end of the day, you got to follow your heart. You know, your heart's going to guide you where you need to go. Your mind will help you figure out what you need to do along the way. But if you want to be an agency owner, focus it being the absolute best that you can be in your role right now so that you can migrate through different paths in the organization and, and get to that status if you're going to get into leadership or eventually be equipped to go and open your own agency. If that's not what your goal is and you just want to be a producer or an in, inside salesperson or whatever, and you're okay and, and happy with the, the money that you make and don't want any more responsibility than that. Some of the wealthiest people I know are producers that never wanted any responsibility for anybody else. I can tell you, having been both, there are days I miss being a producer, you know, no, nowhere near the responsibility, nowhere near the politics and things that you have to play. But I wouldn't trade it for anything. It's just that it's less complicated if you stay in, in the producer role. You've got many hats. I mean, you you are an entrepreneur. You've mentioned that. We've talked about that. But you've also done a lot of training and developed training. So can you share how the Power Producers podcast, Killing Commercial, and your two books, The Extra Two Minutes, and, mo and most recently, The Dirty 130 are all tied together? Where is the motivation for you for doing all that? So there's a couple things, a capitalist side of that, and then there's also a, a, a giving side of that. And those two are married at about 50-50 with me. I give a tremendous amount back to the insurance community. I also have some of my things monetized because 
I can't give 100% of my time. I'm not an insurance missionary, okay? I mean, I do have to make a living. We already established that. You know, for me, I spoke at Innovation out in San Diego a couple of years ago about how I hire producers to work in my agency. And it's, it's, it's a very unique process that I have. And it attracted a bunch of agents. I probably had 50 to 60 agency owners come up to me almost immediately after I got done talking and, and ask me, can you coach my producers? Can you come train with us? You know, can you? And my answer was unequivocally, no, I have absolutely no interest in that whatsoever. I, I've got my own agency to run. We have a good growth spike and I need to take care of business on the home front. And then I got on the plane for five hours to fly back to Tampa from San Diego. So I started thinking to myself, you know, I talked about this and I really need to get our training program digital. I need to, I can't keep working with people one-on-one -on -one when it's the same process over and over again. Let me create a really good knowledge base and we'll see what happens. So I sit down and start mapping this thing out. And then it dawns on me, I can monetize this. I already path proof a concept. Look how many people came up and asked me if I can do this with them. And so I literally did a soft launch for Killing Commercial on my personal Facebook page. And within 48 hours, the first 25 agencies had signed up to come into the community. They didn't even know what they were signing up for yet. Other than the fact I was going to teach them how to sell middle market commercial, it was going to be web-based and it was probably going to be a wild ride. And so we started building it and all kinds of things. And I realized, you know what, having a social network would give us a mobile app and we could interact. And, you know, we, we fleshed all of that out. And then I thought, you know what, it'd be really cool to do a podcast as a lead magnet for Killing Commercial. Let's do power producers. COVID hit. We weren't out calling on people anymore. So we launched power producers in April of uh, 20. And basically, it was never to be its own thing. It was literally just to get on there and talk a little bit more in detail than what I can on a typical blog post to drive people to, to come and be interested in killing commercial. And that joker took off, man. We're at 25,000 downloads a month at this point, just of people listening to power producers. I wrote the extra two minutes just because it was something that I thought would allow me to give people a different perspective. Okay. And for anybody out there who thinks that, you know, I'm making James Patterson money or John Grissom money, you don't make a lot of money to write a book. It's a passion project. You know, I don't make probably more than a couple of bucks on every copy that I sell. So I gotta be, I gotta make sure I write really good stuff so I can sell enough to where that turns into something. But that's not what it was about. It was more about your, my ability to express some of the unique things that I've done that have helped me win. And it also is a great lead magnet, right? Because I began to get speaking engagements like we're talking about today. And it gave me something that I could give out when I went to those speaking engagements that those people then could take with them, read. And you know what? It ended up also being a lead magnet. So one of the things I started doing is handing those out everywhere I go. When I come to Oklahoma, I'm bringing copies of the Dirty 130 with me. And anybody who attends is going to get a copy of that just for being at the conference. You know, that's that's kind of the, the deal on the books. But every single thing I do works in concert with each other. And here there's been a lot of things that I've learned over the time that I didn't expect. And so if you think about it, power producers, lead magnet for killing commercial, I probably get a dozen inbound leads from people in other states every single week because they know that we will take care of their clients in Florida just because they listen to the podcast, never heard of them before, or they follow me on LinkedIn, or they read a blog post that I work. 
All of that. Same thing happens from Killing Commercial. Same thing happens from people who read my book and didn't even realize I had the podcast or Killing Commercials. So, you know, part of it is the capitalist side of me that's putting multiple prongs out into a marketing approach. The other part of it, me just wanting to give back because the truth is I ran grocery stores and super targets for 10 years before I came into the industry. And when I got in, I didn't have a lifeline. I didn't have somebody to teach me. And so... I figure at least if I can put some basic things out there to get people on the right track, that's a way for me to sort of pay it forward for some people who invested in me over the course of my career. And that's one of the reasons why I'm so generous with my calendar when people want advice or ask for help or whatever else. I always want to make sure that they have a resource because everybody should. I can certainly attest to that, David. We are honored and excited to host you in Tulsa, Oklahoma in October at the 2022 Young Agents Conference. Could you give the people a sneak preview of the dialogue that you want to lead us through during that conference? (laughs) So I tell everybody, and you're going to hear this when I'm there live, I have severe ADHD. And that's not a joke. That's an affliction and a superpower at the same time. I'm supposed to be medicated for it. I'm not. My various businesses pretty much portray the fact that I have ADHD. That's why I have to have multiple things to have my fingers in. And when I get up, I always I always say the same thing, you know, because I don't use slides when I speak. I honestly never know what exactly what I'm going to say until I get up and I just let it rip when I do. And when I get up there, I let them know that if I had if I was an air traffic controller and I had 15 planes to land by five o'clock, all 15 of those planes are going to land perfectly without any issue. But if you tell me at eight o'clock in the morning that the one job I have for the day is to land a single plane, pray to God you're not on that plane because it ain't going to happen. And that's the way that my mind works. So when I get up and talk, we're going to have a broad framework about um, psychology of sales and sales uh, prospecting and all of the stuff that I normally talk about. But truthfully, how that exact conversation goes is going to depend on who the audience is and where I get them riled up and where I don't. I read them in real time, just like I do when I'm at the point of sale. With you, now we've had some really big names in the industry at our past conferences. Ryan Hanley, Sidney Rowe, Kelly Donahue, Pirro. And last year we had Jeff Shee and Jason Cass. What are you wanting from the attendees that day? What should the participants do to prepare to be engaged and to soak in the information that will be exposed in Tulsa? Um, I think they need to come with an open mind, depending on what generation uh, is going to be in the room. And I know that it's predominantly young agents. So I resonate a lot better with young agents, uh, believe it or not. I'm kind of a tweener. I'm not really the old guard, but I'm not really the next generation coming through. So I have to kind of be that guy in the middle. My oldest son, who's far wiser than I was at that age, made an interesting observation a couple weeks ago when we were driving um, home from work. I brought a an intern into the agency from Florida State for the summer to do some, basically to clean up my desk because I have about 15 entrepreneurial things that were waiting on one thing from me. So literally, she just did the one thing on 15 different affinity brands, and we've got a bunch of new things that are launching online between now and the end of the year as a result of her. But I was having some issues with a team member that's no longer with us, and Grayson said to me, he's like, dad, he goes, do you ever notice that you actually get along better with the young generation than the people that are your age or older? And I said, no, I never did until you brought it up, but you're hundred percent right. So the first thing I want to let everybody know is I hear you, I see you, and I'm going to speak to you. 
I think that the generation that's coming behind right now needs people in my chair to have open ears and listen to what they have to say, interpret that and implement it as best we can. I think that there's a huge chasm between the old guard and the new people that are coming into the industry. And that's going to cause the death of a lot of agencies due to the unwillingness of agency principals to listen to what the younger generation has to say. So people, I'm here for you and I'm going to bring your heat. You better be dressed and ready for it. Awesome. David, thanks so much for taking the time out of your day to hop on here and talk to the Oklahoma Young Agents Group. Um, any last remarks before we let you go? Never been to Oklahoma in my life. I look forward to leaving my mark and enjoying meeting everybody there. Please, please, please understand when we come, we're coming with our mobile podcast gear. We will record live while we're there. If you see me, grab me. Love to have a conversation with you on the air, make you internet famous. And if you don't want to be, grab me anyhow, and we'll just have a sidebar chat. I'm going to hang with you guys for the entirety of the conference. I'm not somebody who shows up, speaks for an hour and leaves. I'm here to invest in Oklahoma, and you're going to get that investment. Excellent. Thanks so much, David. Oklahoma Young Agents, you're not going to want to miss this conference. Downtown Tulsa at the Tulsa Club Hotel. Registration is now open, and there's an awesome gift for the first 50 registered agents. Not to mention a copy of the Dirty 130. That's right. Listen, I'm going to tell you right now, Shania Slavic gave me a list of every member, and I'm going to cross-reference it to the people who are there. And if you don't show up, me, Wes, and Trent and Willis are going to get in the old school van with <laughs> pantyhose in our head, and we're going to come to your house and tackle you and throw you in the back of the van. We'll, we'll make Trent, we won't let Trent drive. You or I'll drive, and then we'll, we'll make him tackle him. That sounds like a plan. Yeah, here we go. <laughs> Well, everyone, there are a few other events going on around the state before October, so be sure to find those on the calendar at BigEyeOklahoma.com slash YA and the Young Agents Oklahoma Facebook group. Thanks for following along, and be sure to share our show with your coworkers and colleagues. We'll see you on the next Oklahoma Young Agents show.